Welcome back, everyone. In this episode, Tim and I have a very special guest, Dwayne Newstater, owner of Arbor Canada Training and Education, a close friend and mentor for us both. In this episode, we'll talk about elk hunting and the philosophy behind missing. We'll take a look at how hunting and other similar outdoor activities can help with recovery and dealing with anger. We'll also discuss how these activities can serve as a barometer. Dwayne will tell a wonderful story about a moose hunt uh, with a mutual friend of ours, Bruce Smith. We'll take a look at gratitude and its power. We'll talk about taking action and being in the moment. And last but not least, we'll discuss hearing the call. Enjoy. Hey, right? He'll be all right. Okay. All right. Well, we have no, we don't even have a podcast name. Um, I see that. What? How, what? The elk what? hunt, you know? Oh, the elk hunt, sorry. Well, it was a hunt. It was good. It was camping. It was fun. It, and we called one in. I had a 20 yard, 22 yard shot with the bow, but I don't know. I must have hit a branch or something. Like it was like, I don't know how I could have missed it. Like, I mean, like it's, he was close, full bull standing there, walking right in, like to Zach calling, and that's the only thing that would have made it better. I mean, it was a great trip. We saw lots of animals. It was a good time. We had a, you know, the weather was nice. It was good, good time. I just, I guess I had to miss the elk. It wasn't wasn't his or my time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's why they call it hunting. Exactly. Exactly. It still bamboozles me because, you know, I, it's, I've ne- my bow just doesn't miss like that. Like I don't, I, it, I, I don't know what happened. I must have hit because it didn't even couldn't even find the arrow. Hmm. Like usually you can, you know, and you could see like I didn't even see it go near. I was just like, what the heck? Where'd it go? And Tanner was hunting with us, heard it. He said it made a weird noise, so it, it must have got deflected. Anyway. Did the? I played it over. I spooked the the ball. No, no, no. The the thing didn't even move. That was the other thing. Like, he just trots like ten yards maybe, and he started quartering away from me and stopped and looked back. And then it was more thick brush. He was in thick. Like I wouldn't normally take the shot from there, but I was like, and I had time to re knock an arrow and everything, which rarely does that happen in bow hunting. And. uh, because usually you don't miss that bad, I guess, and they don't usually they run the first shot, and if you don't hit them, that's it. Oh, yeah. Well, he stopped, so I had another chance, but it was thicker brush and it was a little further away, and that one we found. Like so, that one either I deflected again or or I just missed twice in a row. I don't know. <laughs> it was really quite a humbling experience, <laughs> but it was cool. And I mean, it was everything it's supposed to be except for the fun finale, right? Sort of like getting married, but not going on a honeymoon, I guess. But still fun getting married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's you guys, once again, that's why they call it on. Sometimes, like, um, it seems great. And then, you know, you actually, you are successful and you do kill the animal. And then the real work starts. Like, oh, God. Yeah, oh, yeah. Why did I yeah. agree to, why did I agree to this? Like, geez, like yeah. all this work to do and. And yeah, you, you got to do it. You you can't get around yeah. it. Oh yeah, no, no. no. It, but it is kind of sometimes. There's been times where I've had a similar situation and I missed, and then you know after the smoke clears and I'm done being upset with myself, I look around. and I go, 
I'm really glad I didn't have to pack that big bastard out six miles because yeah. it's almost yeah. dark. That would have been a long night, you know. <laughs> like, oh, that, that happened the night before in the same location, um, but it wasn't a miss. It just they just didn't come, and then it got dark, so we ran out of light. But the second day, it was morning. That was I think we had we'd have all day to do it, and it was a nice sunny day. It was, it was this was like at nine in the morning, right? So it would have been everything about it was perfect except for the missed shot. <laughs> but but uh we were in one location on tuesday where and we were calling them in and they were calling back and we were all jacked up but then we never we never got them in close enough but man we were in we were so far back in a valley and getting out of there was absolute murder and it was night it was would have been right at night and it was like we're thinking man if we would have gotten an elk in there that would have been a a uh, horrendous evening. Like it would have been, oh, would have been brutal. Right. Yeah, like you say. Yeah, you gotta try to think it through, I guess. Right. Yes. Yeah, so you know, they say in life we often learn more from our failures and our successes. Do you think in hunting you learn more from your misses than your hits? You know, it's interesting. I've uh, talked to a few people now about you know the the great miss of 2022, but. How many people have related the story? Like, have I, you know, well, you just talked about one, or I think you did. Well, anyways, you know, like, it's just, it's, you remember them, first of all. I mean, I don't know if you remember them as long as you remember uh, getting an animal, but all memories will fade in time. But uh, for sure, like anything, I don't think you learn anything without making some mistakes, really. And probably they're the, might be the best gifts you get. Are the are the misses? <laughs> I, I I know from from my hunting experience is that I think I learn way more when I miss or something goes wrong than when it goes right. Because if something goes right, I don't change anything, or I don't yeah. I don't sit there and try and dissect it. Why did this go so right? Why did this go so right? I'm just happy that the hunt was successful. That there's food on the yeah. table. You know, there's yeah. that very satisfying feel about being, you know, that involved in nature and being part of that, that system. Yeah. But when yeah. you miss, you're sitting there going, oh, what did I do wrong? What, you know, like, how did it change? Sometimes it's also, I find that missing and hunting can be a lesson in acceptance. Because um, mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. it's just, like you said, like, it could have been a gust of wind and a little branch and you did yeah. everything right, but you still missed. Um, yeah. So just <laughs> kind of learning to accept that and, and, and. And not, and I was um, still good. I mean, just you know, you beat the shit out of yourself mentally when you miss, you know, a nice. You, you spent all that time and energy, to, and they're out there hunting, and it's like, oh, and then you miss, like son, of, it's terrible. I'll beat the shit out of myself. So there's a, there's lessons in that too. So I would say I think you learn more from your misses in hunting than you would ever you'd yeah. ever learn from a hit, right? Because a hit's a good story. Yeah. Well, you got pictures, you know, I thought about that. I thought, I've thought it through, you know, you, you definitely spend time thinking about it and, you know, there would have been the pictures, there would have been the, you know, and that, that's kind of it. Like it would have been, there it was right there and, and then it happened, you know, but you know, I, I realized, like you said, the lesson in, uh, um, not being angry at yourself or whatever. That, like that was one thing I noticed, you know, and something that I think is part of, you know, my journey right now, particularly my recovery is, you know, I wasn't upset. It was, it was, you know, it was just, 
it was in the moment and it was exciting and it was like it was enjoyable. I don't have any regrets of it. It would have been nice to have the elk. But, you know, I think the thing that I realized disappointed me probably the most wasn't that I missed. It wasn't that I disappointed myself. It was that Zach, it was Zach's first time calling an elk in, right? So he had been practicing calling and before we started the trip, he said, if I can get an elk to respond and call in, like come to my calls, I'm going to feel like I've been successful on this hunt. Well, not only did he do that, the one came right in. Like it was what, exactly how it's supposed to go, right? And he'd never done that before. So cool. I felt like, you know, it would have been really nice to give him the gift of getting that elk because that would have just culminated the whole deal for him, right? But, uh, you know, so I felt more regretful on that than myself, you know, that I didn't, wasn't able to give him that gift. And I told him that, but he's like, it's all good. You know, it wasn't, uh, but I, I, I noticed the fact that I could observe that and think that way, you know, it's something that I wouldn't do, wouldn't be able to do in my, you know, particularly in active addiction or, uh, even not working on my mental condition as far as, you know, you know, when you're in, well, you know, Tim knows this well, but when you're in active addiction, you don't have the ability to think properly, right? And it's really a mental disorder. Like, it's a mental thing. Like, the 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 the, the stop using substances to, you know, replacing your spirituality with a spirit, you know, doesn't, it doesn't really give you that connection. And you lose that ability to enjoy things like a miss or learn from a miss. And uh, you start thinking more about other people and and considering what's going on for them and, you know, become a little less selfish. And enjoy the moment, enjoy things in life differently too, you know. So, I mean, that was, you know, I have to admit, that's mostly where my thoughts went quite quickly, you know, was less about the miss and like how I responded to it and how I felt emotionally and how I was able to do that because of, you know, my current journey, which uh, I don't think would have been the same. I would have been a lot more frustrated and angry and I would have had, you know, I just would have, yeah, beat myself up as well. Like my self-esteem would have been affected and none of that happened. It was just, hey, it was a miss. It was a great trip though. <laughs> but yes, and that, and then, like you say, the, the 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 analyzing the shot, where I was aiming, how I was aiming, which pin did I use, you know, would check the bow again, and you know, just be ready next time. I think it's a good failure, and situations like that are a great barometer of where you're at with your spirituality or emotional well-being, you know. If something like that happens and I'm like, oh, I suck and, it, you know, the trip was ruined because of that, then it's like, oh, that's where I'm at. But when I can show yeah. up and still be super grateful and look at like, wow, man, I just got to watch the sunrise or the sunset from this tree stand and then Zach called in an elk and like, how awesome is that? I got to be there the first time he called in an elk and like, what a story yeah. when I missed yeah. it and just all those experiences, like looking at it from – and everything in life, every experience, every failure has yeah. those same perspectives if I'm in a place to look at it and see it from that way. So I always think of failure, exactly. I can always get a good barometer. You know, like the other the other morning, it was uh, the first kind of cold snap. And I was like, I'm going to go hunting in the morning. You know, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go out. And then it got a little bit later and I was like, it would be nice to sleep in. So then I reached out to my girlfriend. I'm like, you want to go rock climbing tomorrow? Because like I'll either go hunting in the morning 
or I'll, we can go rock climbing, but I'm not going to try to do both. She's like, oh, yeah, let's go climbing. So then part of me was like, nice, I get to sleep in and whatever. <laughs> I wake up at 7.30 in the morning, the, the camera, the tree stand that I would have been in, freaking eight-point buck. First one of the season that I've gotten on camera walks right by where I would have been. And I just looked at it yeah, and, I yeah. and I was like, ah, classic. But I just laughed at it instead of being like, it's so stuck, should have been out there. You know, that freaking yeah. stupid. Yeah. Well, it was meant to be for that, you know, maybe that, for that mm-hmm. buck, it was probably a good thing. It, you know, it, it, it's true. You say, I've noticed the anger, the frustration thing, and uh, it is definitely a barometer that I've kind of learned to notice within myself. And I started noticing it in rehab when I would, you know, think like, like when you're in Thailand, it's muggy and a little sticky, right? And you like things like taking your shirt off can become like a like a gymnastic exercise. And you know, just because the way stuff sticks to even putting socks on, well, you don't ever use socks, but. Anything that kind of like shirts, mostly even underwear, like I, you'll rip them accidentally just trying to pull them because the way it sticks to you. And I would find that type of stuff. I wouldn't make get angry. And, I, and you know, I remember just doing that would piss me off. You know, like if I, my, I was sweaty from working out and my shirt sticking to my back and I got to pull on it and doesn't want to come off or it doesn't want to hang when I put it on. Like I'd get angry, literally, you know, and it's like that sort of stuff doesn't doesn't happen if it if i do notice it it's like hey man like you know where you're you're something's you're irritated um uh, you know there's something wrong you're irritable you know you know what's going on where where are you at and uh yeah it's worth worth a check in and you know it doesn't take long to uh check check yourself before you wreck yourself <laughs> i think you know and what you guys reminded me of and like i said you it's great to have those things that you do in life that are act as a barometer for how you are overall. And I think hunting's a great one. And what I learned from hunting in my own process was hunting really taught me to take things moment by moment and to appreciate those moments, right? Cause everything is a series of moments, right? Like you're only here now. It's like, so hunting really gave me a, it allowed me to see those moments and to appreciate them, which then allowed me to be much more present. And I was with Dwayne too. It's like, yeah, you're still a little angry with yourself for missing, but you understand that even in that miss, the moment was still really cool. You know, it was still a really great moment, you know, and, and even if it was a terrible moment, it doesn't matter. It was the only moment you had and now it's gone, you know? So (laughs) I think sometimes putting yourself in a situation like that, like, and for me, what's done it is, has been that hunting where, it's twofold thing. One, I can appreciate the moments and then I can realize in my past how much I didn't appreciate the moments and I can see the barometer and I can see the change or where I can, it allows me to examine. It allows me to, to have that gauge and then say, okay, maybe I, I am getting somewhere. Right. Cause life is it's so often like, you know, it's like, it's, I don't think time's linear. I think it's spiral. Right. But it, if time is spiraling around and you only look down on it, it doesn't seem like you're going anywhere. But if you see it from the side, that, that spiral can be going up. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, so I think taking time and for me, hunting has been that, especially in the misses or the things where you don't even want to call them failures at that point. Right. Where it allows you that perspective. Say, you know, five years ago, I had, this had ruined my month today. It's just a funny story. You know, I am getting better, (laughs) you know, yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's true. It's uh, 
you know, the other, the other thing you mentioned there about uh, the time, you know, because we would go out and call, but we'd split up. We were relatively close together, but, you know, we would spend, we'd, to get out early enough, so we'd, you know, we'd leave like one thirty-two, and the, they really wouldn't start getting active till like 5 or 6, but you didn't want to be moving in the woods right before that. So we did some tree stand, but mostly we're just sitting on the ground and, and go to location. But you're literally just sitting there, you know, by yourself for three, four hours before the action might get started. And some nights it didn't. You know, we just, you know, we'd get dark and it'd be like, well, I guess they're not here tonight. So we'll try somewhere else. But in those times of being alone, and you can't, you know, the other people you're with are maybe 100 or 200 yards away. They're not like they're far, but they're they're not visible. So, and the things that happen, you know, I'm sure you've all experienced this, but like, you know, a squirrel runs up to you, like literally, like Zach had a shrew crawl up on his leg, was sitting there, didn't even realize he was there, because right? you're just still, you're just sitting. But I had a squirrel run right up to me. Well, he wasn't, didn't know I was there. He didn't mean to, but he was like right at, like he was three feet from me and he's looking at all of a sudden he's like just starts staring at me like what the hell mm-hmm. and we're in like i'm looking at him he's looking at me and we're just like and he's like all of a sudden he just takes a 90 degree and literally like burns rubber he's flicking sticks behind him and everything he takes off so fast but all kinds of stuff like that birds and you know just the stuff you notice i noticed there was little frogs all around me all of a sudden i didn't know know there were frogs in there and all of a sudden, I'm seeing these little frogs, you know, and it's like, holy shit, there's frogs everywhere. Then I don't think, I don't think they just showed up. They just, you just, I didn't notice them, right? Because I wasn't in that space. And uh, it is really meditative. And I was describing it on a on a Dharma call. I do Dharma recovery on Tuesday mornings, and uh, with the with some of the alumnus or from the graduates from my rehab in Thailand, and and. Uh, they uh that was explaining this right and they're like wow i think i should take up hunting these are like some of these people are not hunting type people at all and in fact probably are anti-hunting but they'd never heard it from that perspective right like this whole business of the time because there is that and and if again i think it's reflective on your mental state like you had to i viewed it as wonderful time you know like and i remember there being times where i would just have a you know you got your scott would always call it the jasper juice you know, so he'd mix up a concoction of whatever, strong liquor and and some mix, and that would you know he'd just you know nurse that like a like a bottle, like a baby suckling a, a nipple, right? He'd have that during that time period, and uh, you know you don't have that. It does you don't you don't take away from the moment when you're not doing that, and uh, you experience a lot more. Yeah, you know, I think back to actually hunting with Bruce that time, you know, and when when uh, the big and it's a funny story and everything, but uh, it would have been. But Bruce was sober, so I, I wasn't totally sober at that that particular when we shot all those arrows at the beavers. But Tim probably doesn't know the story. No, I've never heard that story. It's never been recorded. I don't know. This be a, this be this could be sacrilege or something like. We were hunting at hunting camp, and uh, Bruce and I were paired up hunting moose. And we came over this knoll, and moose, like, you know, a lot of wet, boggy areas, and there was a big beaver pond, and uh, quite a, not normal size. But there's beavers just starting to come out because it's dusk, and uh, 
he thought he's like, holy moly, is that a gator? And <laughs> and you know, because it looked, you know, we had, and as well, of course not, Bruce, but it is a, a beaver. And he's like, oh, can we shoot a beaver? I've never shot a beaver. And I'm like, well, I guess if we want it, we could. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a whole bunch of them in another 10, 15 minutes. They're going to be out because all they always because time of day. So he's like, well, let's can we? Yeah. Sure. So we set up on these beavers, right? <laughs> and uh, sure enough, beavers start coming out and, you know, buck fever. So we start flinging arrows at these beavers. And, I, you know, to this day, we never did know if we got any because the arrows, first of all, we realized quite after the second shot, they're just going right through them or we we're missing them because the beaver isn't that big. So we were likely just slicing right through them. And then they just take off. So they were... They probably were dying in the house because we'd shot a couple with no evidence of, of beaver. But, yeah, we kept shooting. <laughs> so suddenly we're realizing our arrows are gone. We've spent our quiver, right? They're, and our arrows are in the water floating. We can see them. And uh, I'm thinking, and we haven't even started hunting yet. This is We're just getting out to where we're going to go sit for moose, right? And I was like, damn it, Bruce, we don't have arrows. He said, well, we got to. So I said, well, I'm going to get them. But I didn't want to get all wet, so I stripped down. And he's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm going in. But he's like, so I'm stripped naked, right down to nothing. Because I don't want to get wet clothes on. I don't want to be sitting all night in wet clothes. And all I had is I, I'm looking at the pond, and there's deadfall and mud. And I was like, ah, I needed something my feet. So I put, well, that was the other thing. I forgot my hunting boots, probably because of drinking. And I had uh, my Crocs on that I wear, you know, just leisurely. There are no, no laces on them or nothing. And I noticed that halfway into the hunt that day, that day when we were walking that I had my Crocs. Uh, that's all I was wearing. Crocs, actually, that Bruce had given me. Anyway, I put those on and I head down this dead spruce log that's laying in the water so I can wa- avoid all the nasty mud on the edge. And as I'm going along and I'm thinking, man, this because it's been dead a long time and it's just got real sharp, pointy limbs on it. And I'm trying to balance naked going down this and bruce is absolutely losing his mind with laughter he he can he's trying to take pictures and he can't and i'm thinking to myself man if i slip off this thing this could be really bad there's all sorts of things that get caught and i'm gonna have to either jump or i don't know and i no sooner do i start thinking that then sure enough it starts wobbling and i got to make a commitment decision here so i kind of leap hoping for the best but no a branch catches me on my butt cheek and and it, I can feel it. it lays me open pretty like it's a good scrape like it's not a minor scrape it's I can feel it but now I'm in I'm in the mud I'm in the water and the arrows aren't far away so I start moving forward and then my I you know it's real thick mud in the bottom of these beaver ponds and I hear this well I don't feel it I feel this like it's like something grabbing my shoe and just ripping it off and it the, it just gets stuck in the mud so now I've got only one crock on and the other one I'm trying to feel around to find it. It's gone. It ends up, I can't find it. I got putting my hand down and now I have no, only one crock. I get the arrows. I have a fistful of the arrows and I turn around and it was like your trail camera. What's standing 20 yards behind Bruce is a big bull moose and he's staring at us. He's watching the whole thing, right? And I turn around and like he, I don't know, neither one of us have any clue how long he's been there. Because I've been in the water and Bruce has been laughing at me. And there he is. He's looking like he's within shot. Like all Bruce has to do is knock his boat, turn around, and he's got an el- I got a moose. But he's got no arrows. I got all the arrows <laughs> in the pond. 
So I'm trying to get back as fast as I can, and I'm I'm whispering to him, there's a moose, there's a moose, and I throw him the arrows. I start throwing arrows at him, and he's ducking because he doesn't want to get hit with a broadhead. Finally, we get up, and the moose kind of trots off, and I get out of the water, and Bruce just, he, he's, he can't even stand. He's laughing so hard. And I said, Bruce, there's a moose right there. We got to go. Let's go. And he's like, I can't, I can't. Like He says, you got to get dressed. I said, heck, no time. And I grab my, my release, and I throw it on. I grab my bow, and I knock an arrow, and I head off with one crock on, and that's it, over, like, into the bush. And Bruce didn't even follow me. He said he just, it was just too much. He couldn't take it. So I chased the moose for a couple hundred yards that way. <laughs> and I had blood running down my leg, and that's the moose hunting story. But uh, anyways, it's a long, sordid little tale of... But we laughed about it for years and and uh, still do. You know, it was a good memory. That was a good memory, even though. Uh, and you know what? Now I'm just thinking about it. I haven't talked. You know, I, I would have done that. I would have done that stone cold sober, I think. I don't think I would have done it any differently. <laughs> <laughs> even though I wasn't, I don't think I would have done it any differently. Or traded that memory. That was pretty funny how that whole thing went down. Anyway, sorry, that's a long story. I need to find a way to tell it shorter. And, you know, I can't do it justice anyway because Bruce always told it better. And, you know, the worst part of it was his dang phone ran out of battery. He didn't, he would never got a picture or nothing of the whole thing. So it's it's completely left to folklore. <laughs> I think somehow I think that's even better. Okay. It, it adds that that mystique. I don't need to see the pictures anyway. Something yeah, just well, yeah, I, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did, uh, was, uh, I, did, I had to. Uh, have bandages and everything on that cut. Anyone? You Anyways, uh, sorry that. Yeah, you know that's interesting though. Bringing that up because uh, it was a definitely a different time period. Lots have changed since then, as far as uh, the way I recreate. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think there's there's value in though that the understand it even after recovery, and I haven't been through any. Not firsthand, you know, family-wise, but, you know, there were things that happened when you weren't sober that, that had value, that were worthwhile, you know, that, oh, yeah. that, that did change things. And to just, I, and I've run into people, and, you know, my own mother was this way. She got to the point where it's like if it was before recovery, it would, there was no value to it. And she wanted to throw that all away and somehow hide it and was somehow ashamed of it. And I think it really hindered her in, in many respects, you know, because it's, yeah, you know, we... When you're drinking and you have a drinking problem or you're substance abuse and you have substance abuse problem, you do stupid shit. But, you know, some of it you would have done regardless. <laughs> we all do stupid yeah. shit. Well, you know, and you, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. At least for me, Tony, is uh, not wanting to hide it or being able to talk about it. That's that's the uh, hmm. that 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 to me has made one of the biggest differences. You know, uh, I had. The, the last time I was at rehab, there was a girl who had become a counselor. She was an intern when I was there the first time. And, you know, we knew each other and so on. And, and uh, it, one day she just, I'd been there maybe a month or something, and she's like, she says, you know, I don't even know your story. She said, I don't know why you're even here. She said, like, because you don't seem, like, you seem more like a counselor than, than, than someone that needs to be here, even in the way you do the exercises. And you said you're... You work out like you don't. You seem like what? What? How? I don't even know how you got here. And I was like, really? She said, you don't. I don't know your. You know. And it wasn't. She was just asking. And I thought, man, alive. If I not. And uh, 
you know, I made a commitment to myself last December that I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to I'm going to take any suggestion. I'm not going to question things. And and my first reaction was like, I tell people all the time, what are you talking about? And I wanted to be defensive. And I, I was like, you know what? I need to think about this. Like I need to, you know. So coincidentally that night, there was a, an NA meeting or an AA meeting in-house that's client run. And the person that was supposed to run it wasn't there. So there was nobody to run the meeting. And Someone just said, who's running it? And I said, I'll chair it. And uh, so then we didn't have anything to read. And, and then in looking at the preamble, I realized, oh, there could be someone share. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to take this opportunity to tell my story. And and uh, I did, had never done it there. I'd done it somewhere else. But I hadn't done it much at all, I realized. And so I just did it, you know. And, uh, man, the response that... You know, people say, wow, I didn't know. You know, people that had been to rehab with me twice before, it was like, we didn't know that about you. I didn't know you did that. I didn't know you. Wow. You know, and it just was like, huh, I wasn't talking about it. And then I realized I don't, you know, the first time I went, it was like professionally unwise, you know, like, you know, and everyone seems to somehow agree or buy into it. It's like, oh, yeah, no, people don't need to know all that stuff. People don't need to know that. It could It could damage you professionally. And it was like, it was. It all contributed to my relapses. There's no question because I wasn't transparent. I wasn't open and honest. And it's not that I got to go shout it from the mountaintops. But like just the other day, I was at the Arbor Supply Store, and you know, a student I haven't seen in years, and I know her well, and she's been in Arbor in Calgary for a long time, and we just got chatting. And then it comes up as in Thailand, and normally I make up some reason why I was in Thailand. Oh, cool, you just went to Thailand, and you know, we went out to see the dog, and I just told her, I said, this is what happened to me, you know, and why I was there, and. You know, we ended up having a long conversation about, you know, her own stuff and friends that she has. And then it was just meaningful. You know, it was way more meaningful than say, yeah, I went there to work out and, you know, get away. Like, oh, I'm a cool traveler, you know, which is what I always have done. And I've done I take every opportunity to tell my story now. Like, I don't I don't like force it on people. But if it's if it happens and comes up, I don't shy from it. And uh, I always remember people that used to be able to do that. Like my sponsor, my first sponsor would just talk about his past. And, oh, yeah, I remember when I used to do this. And I'd be like, man, really, Vern? You got to tell people that stuff, man? <laughs> and I couldn't understand how he could do it. And uh, But it's been one of the biggest differences in, you know, being, I don't know, I think it's just accepting the, your truth and being able to to speak about it when in truth, you know, not... Not to brag about it, not not to go out of your way to talk about it like it's a need to have to talk about it, but just to be able to share it as needed, when needed, without shame and guilt and, and fear. You know, that's just to be, hey, it's me. It was part of me. Whatever, man. Like, uh, I'm okay now. <laughs> well, when you can be useful, there's like an opportunity to share that, you know, because it's the same experience that I have where I don't, I don't just tell everybody. I don't put it on social media and tell people, but it's like... Exactly these opportunities come up. And then also, you know, when you're in a position, uh, I could, I could connect with when you were talking about how, uh, you know, they think, Oh, well, it's almost like you work here, you know, cause you could sound real good. And like, I could do all the exercises and everything, but that level of vulnerability, you know, uh, when I actually share, like when I'm struggling, you know, it's real easy yeah. to be like, I got everything together and to sound good. But when, uh, you know, when I'm like in pain and struggling just to let people know that where I'm at and then to see the connection and how much people connect with uh, with the story when 
uh, I'm vulnerable and just tell people really where I'm at. But my ego and pride don't want to always do that. Sometimes it just wants to like sound good and get the pats on the backs. But then I actually realized that people like then you become like people can't really connect or you're, or you're not relatable because everyone's like, this guy's just got his shit together. He's got it all figured out, you know, and like yeah. that's not the most useful position, you know, La on one of the last episodes when we, we started talking about you and uh, about doing this interview, I started and wanted to tell the story about how you and I actually like connected. And I was, yeah, yeah. I'm going to save it's a great it. story. Yeah. I was going to save it for the podcast. So I'm gonna, I just want to share that because it was uh Man, it was it was it was just one of those moments, those God moments of like, holy crap, oh, yeah. this is wild, yeah. you know. Uh, so uh, a number of years ago now, I don't even I don't know how long ago it was, but uh, there was one year that I was in Nicaragua and you were in Costa Rica, and then me and my buddies yeah. were actually going to try to ride over the border on our dirt bikes because I was like, yeah. oh, my friends in Costa Rica is only like three hours away, and then we actually had like police with machine guns stop us at the border and we're like no you can't come this way and they turned us around and uh and then we thought maybe we misunderstood them so we tried to go back again and this time they were pointing their guns at us when we came back to the border <laughs> they were like what are you? we were like oh no sorry sorry so then we like you know we turned around again. one of our friends was on a quad we did like 300 miles that day and my buddy rode a quad the whole way. It was it was ridiculous. But uh, so then the following <laughs> year, I was in Costa Rica again, and uh, I went to a music festival, and you know, and then realized that you were in Costa Rica as well. And uh, yeah, I was like, huh. So I just reached out to you, and I'm like, hey, what are you doing? Because I had, you know, my girlfriend was leaving, and I had like another five or six days that I was just going to be wandering around. And I had a motorcycle, <laughs> and you reached out. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? You're like, oh, come by. And I'm like, all right, sure. So I jumped on a ferry and. Yeah, yeah. on my way out there it just kind of seemed like everything was lining up and I was supposed to go out there but then on my way out there like this little idea popped into my head and I was like I know Dwayne like we've like because we had interacted a little bit but just like in a professional yeah, yeah. setting and we would always crossed paths but we had never even had like a one-on-one -on -one conversation really besides like in groups of people and I was like man I'm just heading over and like he's on family vacation and I just said I'm coming over and crashing with you for a night like and i just like i felt a little uncomfortable feeling kind of come over and i was like i hope i'm not intruding and like i didn't even ask really any questions i didn't know where i was going like i had like a relative address and you had sent me yeah, a description yeah. of where you were so the ferry pulls in and i thought it was like 10 minutes off the ferry and now it's like an hour and a half ride off the ferry or an hour ride like in the dark and uh right, right. like all right and now i'm like you know so i jump on the bike and i ride over there and i find this little beautiful bungalow that you guys have like right on the edge of the ocean and uh and i yeah. pull up and i still felt a little awkward and uncomfortable in my own skin i'm like all right well what are we you know all right i don't really I don't know this guy that well or his wife or his son <laughs> or anything and i yeah, pull yeah. up you know i uh i you know you guys come out and say what's up you know i come back in the backyard and we're just having this conversation and I almost could feel a little tension, you know, there because I didn't re I didn't know what had transpired before I showed up and uh, we started having a conversation. And then I, you, I knew that you had been in Thailand and I said uh, after, you know, 10, 15 minutes of chat, I'm like, oh, so you're just in Thailand. What were you doing? And you say to me, oh, I was you like pause and you go, I was uh, I was actually in rehab. I'm uh, I'm in recovery. Do you know anything about recovery? And I just paused and I start laughing and I'm like, are you, I'm like, yeah, actually I've been sober for 10 years and I'm like really active in the program. And you, you're like, what? Oh my God. And then we just sat there for hours yeah. that night having conversations. 
And then like, we all just kind of have this aha moment. And Nancy would start, you know, Nancy shares. She was like, yeah, I was actually kind of mad that he like invited you over. <laughs> like, here's Dwayne just inviting his friends over again on our family vacation. But like, it all worked out the way that it was supposed to. And then I spent like a few days with you guys and like, yeah, just the yeah. whole synchronicity of it all lining up and being like, what? Uh, am I supposed to be doing this? And just looking back on it of like how I thought I was making decisions, but how guided I really was like things were kind of being put in place and that connection was happening, you know, like looking at it like on purpose. I can't, I can't chalk that up to coincidence, you know, like the whole no. way that that worked. I agree hundred percent. There's no question, you know, and it was one of the, it was probably one of the first times where I had really had experienced that, you know, and, you know, I'm happy to say I've experienced things like that many times since, you know, but that was probably, I'm going to say it was probably one of the first times where I, you know, cause it was early on for me very early on. And it, where I was like, wow, that was really like, that just doesn't happen. You know, like there was, that was meant to be no question. Like just, and it was good for me. Like it was, it, yeah, it was, it was a, it was an awesome. Yeah. It was just, we were blessed. It was connected. It wasn't, wasn't random. You know, this, this, this whole thing that things just happen randomly, you know, like it wasn't random, man. That was a, uh, it's meant to be, and uh, it's a great, yeah. I was grateful for it, and you know we've maintained a connection throughout it, and uh, yeah, you know that fellowship's amazing for that, though. You know, really, it really is, um, and it you you have that connection that'll always be there, no matter what. It's really quite a cool little club or group. All the friends of Bell W. Yep. <laughs> And, uh, it, you know, I've, you know, I've had to travel a little bit and work and I just go wherever I go. I mean, there's, there's a meeting, right. And I, I go pretty much every day still. I just, I, you know, I, the 90 and I did my 90 and 90 and then it was like, you know, I, I just almost any day I can go, I go. It just, if they're there and it's handy, I just, I just, I mean, I, you know, I didn't go obviously when we were hunting cause it would have been like three hour drive, you know, but but I was still doing my readings and uh, I keep up my gratitude. That's the one thing, you know, I, I've been finding. If someone asked me, you know, what do you what do you get from your gratitude lists? And I had to think about it. And I was like, you know, I think it just uh, generally overall by having that daily practice of doing my gratitudes, writing down what I'm grateful for and finding a picture to put it on. I think it just generally overall has changed my view from a half empty to a half full or from a I, I, I look at the look what I'm grateful for first even even in the even in the the mess you know even in that like it, it was like what was the good thing about it and you said something Tim uh, about what the heck was it I was it just jogged my thought on uh, it's like ah, I can't remember now but about learning from the miss. But learning from, uh, or was it you, Tony, that said, like our, oh yeah, like even the experiences that we had in, uh, you know, maybe when we weren't living as spiritually connected as we should be in inactive addiction, that wasn't all bad and there were learning experiences in that too. But you know what? Going back and being able to share about it like this and to talk about it, that's what makes, that, that's what enhances the learning and keeps it going. You know, when you, you know, it's kind of like a tree work when guys don't talk about the misses or the near misses, 
Mm-hmm. When they busted the pulley and why the pulley broke, you know, just don't tell the boss. We'll just get a new one. And don't say nothing. Why did we rip the? Why did the beater tear in half like that? That thing's rated for like five thousand pounds. Just never mind. Just throw it away. We don't need to talk about it. You know, <laughs> it's yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly. yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Having that ability to, yes, that's what it was, Tim. That's what it was when you said being willing to be vulnerable and the, what you learn from people, what pe- people are willing to share and what they'll say when they know the truth of yourself. And when you volunteer that first, man, it's amazing what you hear. Like, like even the hunting story, when I told, uh, I told uh, the Arbor Supply guy at the store, I said, I told him, he said, how'd that go, you know? And I told him, he's like, oh man, I remember this one time. And he told his whole story how he missed this amazing whitetail, you know, and, and it was just we just we 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 shared hunting story about a miss and it was all good and you know he he was yeah yeah but I think that comes down to living in the moment too or in the present and being able to do that not uh, worrying about the next thing or what you didn't do you know that's like a miss is worrying about the past it's it it's you can't change it you know. You just gotta. What's the quote? Worrying is like is like about the past is like paying interest on a loan that you don't have. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like... taking rent, paying. Someone <laughs> said that at a meeting the other day. I'm paying rent. They're, I got they're taking space in my brain and they're not paying any rent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I heard it's meditation. It's just meditation on the negative. Could be that. Yeah. The negative form of meditation. Oh right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're manifesting the <laughs> the negative. Right, right. And there's value in looking back, and there's value in telling those oh, stories. Sure. But there's also, yeah, there's that line between, um, you know, why and where. And I've always wondered about, you know, you've both, you know, Tim, you related your story about those serendipitous moments and stuff like that. And how much of that do you think is a, a a case of, is it a case of it's happening all the time and you're not noticing it, or it happens when you're ready for it, or how do you see that? I think that it's happening all the time. There's all these different little calls that are happening all the time. And I, it depends on uh, my awareness level. You know, it's the same thing as what Dwayne was talking about, where he's out there in the forest. And once he sits down, he's sitting on the ground and he gets quiet and he just realizes I am surrounded by frogs right now. Like, oh my God. And you start to tap into that and you get quiet and you get still and you slow down and you start to see what's happening around you and you start to become aware of that. I think those synchronicities and those those moments are happening all the time. It just depends how tuned in I am to them. You know, if I'm listening to those little nudges and those calls, like the days that I'm really tuned in and I'm synced up, man, it's like I at the end of the day, I am jazzed up from all the times that the random phone calls I got or the moments that I paused and I saw the little synchronicities in the calls throughout the day. It's like, I think that they're happening all the time. It's just whether or not I'm stuck in self and I'm, you know, worried about the future or worried about the past or, you know, oh, I gotta, I'm just going to Napa right now and everyone's in my way on the way and blah, 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 you know, whatever it depends on where I'm at. So it's, uh, again, do when I'm, tapped into those synchronicities and I'm noticing them and I'm, and I have that experience of gratitude throughout the day. Uh, it's a good barometer of where am I at? It's the same thing as like that miss, you know, like did it really, if I'm noticing that stuff and I'm, and 
a lot of it comes back to gratitude. If I'm in that place of like that attitude of gratitude throughout the day, uh, and I'm noticing those little synchronicities and those aha moments, you know, uh, yeah, I think, I think they're happening all the time. Well, you know, and I think also the, what you do with them, like there's looking at the past, but then there's building resentments, you know, and where you, that's, that's where you take it too far. And, uh, you know, resentments, I think, or they're all about past events, right? Things that have happened that are gone, that are, that are, you know, taking space in your brain that aren't helping, you know, it, even if it's about a person, usually the person that you're resentful at isn't even, doesn't even know, they're not even affected, you know, that whole, the story of taking, drink, resentments, drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, uh, but that's, you know, if you're building a resentment, then you've crossed into, into the other side, uh, the other you know, and it's a, it's a trap, you know, all of us are capable of and certainly have done, you know, and uh, even that, you know, part of your journey, you know, you wouldn't understand it if you hadn't done it, right? Uh, just, it's, uh, whether it consumes you or controls you or not, I think is the, the thing that uh, you to watch for. And then being aware, like awareness, that's a good one, like the frog thing, like, you got to have, if you're not, you got to have the awareness and you can so easily, I lived for years and just numbness and almost blind, you know, like just plowing through life, not even really, not experiencing it, you know, like working the program versus living the program. <laughs> yeah, right. You know? Boxes. Man. Now, I just... It just seems, and I agree with you, Tim, I think that those little moments and all those things happen all the time and you have to be aware of them. But I think you can also, and both of you have described it, you can also set yourself up to be more open to them, right, through gratitude. You know, and in my experiences, it's never really been things like that, like a, a, a meeting with a, a person or discussion like that hasn't, it's more been, well, you know, the prime example of it for me was probably, it was two years ago in May, and I just got in my head, I wanted to go down to see Michael Tain, right, you know, house, good friend of ours, and he's about, it's a, about an eight-hour drive for me, and I thought, perfect, I'll take the motorcycle down, it's going to be an opportunity, you know, I get good thinking time in a motorcycle. For whatever reason, I just felt compelled to go visit Michael. And uh, as it turned out, the weather was bad, so I couldn't really want to take the motorcycle, so I ended up borrowing my wife's car because it gets better fuel mileage long story short i get down to michael's place and i pull up and uh and i wouldn't say it was awkward but i hadn't been face to face with michael in a number of years and we keep in touch but casually you know and i just showing up like dude i'm coming in for the and uh he comes in and it, just that morning they had found these baby screech owls um and michael adopted and he was keeping them in his shed to raise them and owls for me are something like when I see an owl in the wild like that, something significant happens in my life, like in a rather short order within a month or two. And as soon as I saw those owls, I felt totally comfortable. And I'm like, I'm exactly where I need to be, right? Whether it be for me or it be for Michael or for whatever, because at that that point in his life, there was some personal issues, you know, with his with his wife and some things she was going through and just a lot of, of stuff. And then, you know, as it turned out, you know, I made some pretty significant professional decisions, you know, within a month or two of visiting Michael. Some of it was based on conversations we had had um, in that point. But I think mostly it was um, it was just that connection. 
right? So I think that you can put yourself in those positions and then you have to learn to trust that, that, that serendipity, right? When it's just that, I just, I don't know where that feeling came from. I just really wanted to visit with Michael and I wanted to sit down and have an in-person conversation with him. And, uh, and it, and it worked out, it worked out really well, right? For me, you know, so it was good. So I think you can be open to those and, and see those and build an environment in which you become more aware through gratitude. Well, and, and it's not just being open. I think there's, you took action, right? And that's, that's the big thing too. Like, uh, you know, they I had that feeling the other day I wanted exercise, but I just stayed on the couch till it went away. Yeah. You know, like they get does like those moments are there, but they're not like I think they're given to us and they're you know, if you you'd be first of all aware of them and then act on it. You know, because they'll pass and, and I, I think they pass to others. Like a moment like that would have been gifted to someone else had you not taken it. It's cause the 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 spiritual realms, it's going to happen. It's, if you're not going to do it, someone else is going to do it. Mm-hmm. Who's picking it up? And the ball's yours right now, and it's there in that moment. You know, I remember hearing a story where this really impressed on me, this whole concept. I was like, really? Because someone, uh, a guy wrote a song, and his friend was like, man, that song is like, you got to, that's amazing. Like, And a few people he played it for were like, that's, that's an incredible song. Like, that you got, that's a winner. But the guy never did. And it was like six months later, the song was on the radio. And they were like, holy shit, that's the song. And it was the same song. And he was like, he didn't he didn't share it. He didn't publish it. It just, somebody else did. You know, and it was, a, it was an analogy. And I, I don't know if it's a true story or not, but it really stuck with me. It's like, it was there and it, he, it was gifted to him. And he actually grabbed it, but he didn't act on it. And he'd played it a couple times. But that song was going to get out there because it was a great song and a great tune, and it and it and he just didn't act on it, and someone else got it, and and was a successful song, like made the charts and all the rest of it, right? And uh, good good stuff, good experiences, they're happening. Like I think, like Tim, like you say, they're out there. It's whether you're going to grab onto it, whether you're in the right place, or whether you have the moon. And sometimes it's just that decision to say. I'm doing it like, and, or I'm not doing it. And sometimes that can be a good thing too. But I think the more connected you can be spiritually, you know, and that's where, you know, like the fellowship, like in particular, if you're talking about recovery programs, like it's, it's about the spiritual connection that, and it's, it, it's not an explainable. I, they, they call, for example, I'll use AA as one example. They call it a, a spiritual, not religious program. Well, I, I've started thinking it's not just a spiritual, not religious program. It's a spiritual, not scientific program. Because it, it isn't, the, the, you know, my experience has been, I, I don't the word that comes to my mind, and it's it's referenced a lot of times when you do your step work, but is, is miraculous or miracle. And, and all these things, I think, are forms of miracles. The miracles aren't turning water into wine. Miracles are... Being sensitive to the spirit guides that are there all around us and then acting on it and experiencing that gift. That's a miracle. You know, the the you know, last November I get the I prayed, God, I need help, I'm in trouble again. I get an email saying the next day that the rehab's open and they're offering a special price to alumni. And I'm just like, that's it. I'm going. Like I gotta go. And I like again, damn it, but I just did it, 
you know, and, and I acted on it. Maybe that's the only action I had to take to experience what I'm experiencing now. But you really, you know, the more connected you can be, and it's a daily practice, you know, and for me, it's become a treatment. Like I need daily treatment for this illness. And a big part of it is being spiritually connected. And with that comes these gifts of the spirit or these gifts that, that are gifted us if you're open to them. And But taking the time to connect and it's being still, you know, meditating, prayer, whatever you want to call it, and, and sharing openly. That's what makes it happen. And it's it happens every day if you're open to it. It's really quite astonishing. It really is. Uh, yeah, I heard people always say, you're living the life beyond my wildest dreams. And it's starting to happen, and it really is. And I, I, like I've, I can actually say it. And the other thing is being comfortable in your own skin. You know, like just, I don't need everybody to, to love me anymore. It's nice. I like to get along with people, but I don't need them. I don't have to have it. I don't have to have it to the point where I'm sick if I don't get it. You know, it's uh, and that comes from filling that spiritual void with a spiritual connection. I don't know. Well, there's the action that comes in with all that, like what you're talking about, because I it's just about listening to the calls. You'll hear calls all the time. And then if you don't take action on them, there's going to be another call and that call yeah. will be forgotten. And then we'll just go by the wayside. You know, like I had an experience earlier this year where I came home from a trip and just God or universe or whatever put on my heart to, I was like, I want to start hosting men's retreats. And I just, uh, went for it. You know, I just was like, all right. And I found a place and I booked a place and I like hired a guy and I hired another guy and flew people in and uh, just went for, you know, and then it turned into one of the most powerful weekends of my life. Like all the synchronicities and the way that the weekend turned out and all the change that was, you know, that took place in everybody's life that was a part of it. You know, and I had some people be like, you're going big because I, you know, I rented this place for thousands and thousands of dollars and bought plane tickets for people before anybody even signed up. But I just was like, <laughs> this is what I'm supposed to do. And uh, people are like, you sure you want to start so big? You could do like a local place. And I'm like, nope, I just rented this wilderness place up in the Adirondacks and fly people in and like this whole thing. And uh, it it was one of the most profound experiences. And now I'm doing another one in October and it's just listening to that call, you know, like if I hadn't done that, you know, but it just, I had chills all weekend looking at how all the other lives that were affected by it and brought into the experience. And then just to see everyone having these aha moments and realizing it just came from answering that call. And then also understanding that there's calls like that every day. That happen in my life and it's up to me whether or not I take action and if I don't I like what you said if you don't do it somebody else is gonna you know uh, and one of my friends uses the term if not now then when and if not me then who you know like yeah. and asking myself those questions in those times and it's like you know when there's a call the idea that it's unique to me and that I'm the only one getting that call right now is the thing that might be unique is whether or not I take action on it you know, right, when I can right. follow through. So, uh, but I really like that idea that if I don't answer it, someone else is gonna, you know, maybe that song is going to happen. A song that will be sung whether or not I choose to sing it, but I get the opportunity to sing that song. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, 
even in that, I think it's okay if it's not, you're not, you know, out of place. It's, it's, uh, you know, that happens too. I think, you know, be, you know, sensitive to that. I don't, I think really though, things come to us when they're ready and their time is if we're able to grasp it, it's the right thing to do, but that requires some discipline and bravery and action too. Yeah. 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 It's a, uh, it's an interesting journey, especially when you take it one step at a time. You know, I had a, one of my, uh, he's a, he's a Buddhist teacher and, uh, and, uh, he, uh, he would challenge to, you know, routine things like journey, like, like, like your drive to work, for example, you try to notice two or three things that you didn't notice the last time you did it and do that on a regular basis. Cause there's, there's always something it's never like you, what'd you do this morning? Oh, I drove to work. Well, no drive to work's the same way twice, even though you've done it a thousand times. It just not like we, we get in our heads that it's the same. It's no big thing. I did it. I've done it a bunch of times. Well, like you never get up every morning the same way, even you just don't. I mean, there's generalities that are the same, but it, every day is different. Every morning's different. Something's different. The weather, the light, the, the way you feel, the way your hair got bent in your pillow, like something, there, there's no one day is the same and if you can train yourself his point was to train yourself to be that aware in the moment of, of even things that are mundane it it creates that awareness and that connection or it's part of uh it helps with it i've thought about when i you know uh you know i'll go to another country and say i get picked up from the airport from the taxi and then i'm driving along and then i'm like i'm fascinated how the jungle is growing through the concrete walls over here and these different plants and you know just like the graffiti and the you know i'm just like wow i'm really mesmerized by it in the first time seeing these things and then i was having that thought while i was driving down the highway and i looked in the side and there's plants and there's trees growing through the concrete on the side and there's graffiti and i'm like why do i view that differently that's just <laughs> like if i was to look at that like i actually just drive by i don't even look at it anymore so yeah. uh, every time I'm trying to look at it, like it's the first time I've ever seen it, you know, cause it really is. It's the first time that that plant's ever been that way or, you know, yep. just the light's been on it in that particular, there's this, it's, you know, being present. Yep. It's a real fundamental practice, like a practice of being in the moment. You know, it's not, there is, you know, it goes right back to the frogs. I would have walked, I was walking through there and they were there. I just couldn't see them because I never stopped long enough to notice. You know, and yeah, it's, it is interesting. And it, it, you know what, too, it's a daily practice. Like it's, you have to practice that practicing, <laughs> you know, like you have to really, you know, you discipline yourself to be aware of it and remind yourself because we're all, you know, you, 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 your mind wanders, you fade. It's easy to, for some reason, at least for me, it's easy to, to get, I don't know if it's complacent, but just to forget or not think about it. And that's where having the practice of taking the time to connect helps with that, helps keep that connection. Mm. For sure. Well, we could either uh, wrap it up or I need to stop for a bathroom break. One or the other. I'm good either way. Yeah, well, we're like, holy crap, right on 59. Right. Well, I, I don't know when you started recording, but I've never used this platform. This this is a, called River. Riverside, yeah. 
Riverside. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, just do me a favor. Like, don't close the window because what it's doing right now is it's recording locally and it's uploading it. So even if we get internet glitches, I still get a good clean copy. But it might take it a little bit of time to upload it off of what you you know through Chrome and up into. So just like you can hang up, just don't close the window. Right. I get it. I hope the uh, audio is okay. I, I like because it ended up. I was gonna do that at my studio, right? But uh, that was my plan. You know, I my fault for not putting it in my damn calendar. Like if I don't put it, but I had this nagging feeling last night. I'm like, what the frick? There's something I'm supposed to do, and then I, I usually have a counseling session this morning, right? And I, I when you ask, it's oh, that'll fit perfect, you know. And, mm-hmm. and then Brett called and moved it, and I was like, damn it, what is my missing? Anyways, that's all right. That's it. It worked out. It worked out. Thanks for texting me, Tim. And yeah, no problem. No problem. Tony for email texting. I, I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you coming on and sharing the story. Um, yeah. So, just tell me quickly, what is your guys is like? What are you guys doing? <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. Uh, we're doing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, Tim, it, we'd both sort of from we'd both wanted to do a podcast, longer format, um, you know, stuff, and. Neither of us were doing it, so Tim finally just said, "Look, let's just do this." So we decided to do it. Um, Good. I don't. the I, The plan is to eventually turn it into a, a podcast that will be available for people through like Spotify or whatever it is. Um, right now, we're yeah. just recording, and then just loading it up to some mighty net, just using it for content. Um, yeah. But I think the idea is to just to take action, like we were talking about, right? Like to stop talking about it and planning for the future and to just take action. And part of it is part of the growth process is, um, you know, the technical end of it, trying different software that makes it easier to publish and stuff and then building that routine down. But I hope here in the very near future, we can get a, you know, an RSS subscription so that we can put it up onto podcast. And like I said, ultimately, you know, just use it to have these good conversations and if it helps somebody and they're listening to it, it's great. But then also to kind of, you know, be able to share about what Tim's doing in the world, what I'm doing in the world, you know, what you're doing, Dwayne, it is those, that opportunity. I think it's uh, podcasting is a great, a great medium to get that information out and, and to have those. And it's, it's, it's consumable. It's digestible, you know, it's, it's, you know, so that's, that's kind of where it is. Like I said, to see what, to take that step, to step into that unknown and just see what happens with it, right? Stop worrying about if it's right or wrong. Just do it. The call was there, so we did it. Nice. I've been, I've had this be in my bonnet about, I'd like a, a podcast, actually, like very much so. I, I'm glad I have friends getting into it so I can learn from them. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've wanted for years to do like, a, I've met so many arborists over the years. I like make it very arborist specific, but just, talk about what their their careers you know like you know mark chisholm to bettis to uh uh the owner of uh, bayou tree service in louisiana uh, you know to who have gotten people i've gotten to know and stayed in touch with you know like yourself tony you know mm-hmm. generational like your brother um uh to you know guys the the guy that that's ran been the arborist at College Station, Texas, forever. You know, as a municipal guy, like these people I know that I could just sit and chat with for half an hour about their 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 journey as an arborist, their career, and their you know their most unique story. Like come up with the, sort of a format that works, and just, mm-hmm. I think it'd be interesting. Like there, yeah. there's a lot of them out there. 
Absolutely. And I've traveled enough to, to know, and I thought it'd be kind of cool, you know, but I don't know. We'll see. Well, you know, you're welcome to use this platform because while we, I have no problem, you know, digging into our arbicultural careers and stuff like that, because I think the one thing that I'm, I'm really have come to appreciate over the last year in my own journey and the way I'm changing the way I see the world is that arbiculture tends, one, draw unique people to it, but then because of the nature of the work, and the physicality of it and the hazard, there's a lot of great life lessons that arborists have that I don't think, you know, you, wouldn't, you would think it's useless if you're not a tree guy, but that's not true, right? You know, it's like not many people have a job where you go, if you're doing this job well and you're succeeding, you have a hazardous lifestyle. I mean, you are at risk on a constant, and a lot of people tend to deal with it like you and I did, have done in our past with substances, right? You know, and it, it, but I think there's a lot of stories to be shared there um, that are useful in and outside of arboriculture. So by all means, we can just keep yeah. moving it forward on this platform, and because I there's a lot that that's there, right? You know, everybody wants to interview the guy that used to be a Navy SEAL or a Special Forces operator because he has great experiences. Well, you know, arborists have some pretty good experiences too that are applicable. Yeah, you know, just yeah, it's along the, the lines of the, the whole the whole tree confession thing that I've that I still dabble with, right? Like mm -hmm. taking that to a more, like refining that to what it could be, you know, and just, yeah. you know, that's, that'd be a, maybe in a better way to look at it because it'd have more self-help in there, you know, like, because something about people telling their story, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, what's your, what was the, the closest call you ever had? And tell us about it and what'd you learn from it? Like even that right there, is, mm -hmm. that's a 20 minute, 30 minute episode. And, and there's anyone could do that, you yes, know? Absolutely. And there's, like I said, there's so, I, maybe it's just because I'm noticing it more, but in arboriculture and in arborists, and, you know, it's it's a small circle, and there's just so much of that, you know, um, like almost you know, almost life-altering experiences that have really caused people to just change um, that that would have never happened if they were an accountant or you know punching widgets at the factory, you know, there just wasn't. And there's nothing wrong with those jobs. It's just they don't put you in the circumstances on a regular basis that that arboriculture does, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a different different job that definitely brings different experiences and some pretty neat ones, yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought for well, years I had an idea of doing a, a podcast where we would have conversations because we have access to some of the most amazing people in arboriculture, right? Like some of the – like we just interacted with. But I yeah. uh, for years was working on – because I have like literally not a single certification in the field of arboriculture, no license of any kind, right? And I always was like, man, I really want to like take my arborist license and you know take that exam. And I would get the books and then just like picking them up. It was like you know, I wanted to find a way that – like something that was digestible, right? And mm -hmm. I would – for years I've had this thought of like interviewing some like of these amazing arborists that we have access to of like, what was your journey like of actually like getting licensed or like some digestible information that people could practically use in some of these different like tests or just in their pursuit of like that professionalism, you know, like of becoming certified in some level. And because I just, I was looking around and I'm like, there's not anything really to like listen to that's engaging or interesting, like besides like picking up the textbooks and just doing your own like education, or if you wanted to take some classes and stuff, but I took some of the classes and was just like, I'm not a, uh, you know, a classroom guy, you know, but, uh, so coming up with like a format of like, just 
through interviewing and conversations with people, like some of that information, like in a digestible way for people, you know? Yeah. 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 You know, I would, uh, a couple of people ask me to help them with their certified arborist test and I would just, uh, ask them questions. They would do it like two or three questions a day, like this text. And I'd have them like, give me your answer, you know, and then we would, text back and forth and sometimes have conversations about it but yeah you know i agree there's got to be a format that would be a little more digestible and and relatable and easy especially with the amount of you know commuting that almost everybody has to do in this business you know there's times in the truck where you can't read really you know and you can't watch but you can certainly listen you know and and if it was digestible as you say and entertaining edutaining you know people would listen to it if you were able to it, the thing that, for me i find is getting i'm great at starting it and i'll get like 10 things up like i, I started i asked actually asked judy shigel for permission to do pithy points and read every pithy point and you know it was during covid we had all this time and dj was going to do the puppet thing and we we're going to have a little dialogue and we did like 10 episodes you know and then i did because there's like 500 and some of them damn things right but Judy said, yeah, that'd be great, you know, and, and I, I sent some out there to people like, this is awesome, you know, and, it, and it's a matter of knuckling under, and you, once you're canned, because there's so many of those, you could just have them on a loop, and every day it's a different one, and it, like, after you hit 600, it just starts over, no one's going to remember the first one, shit, man, it's three years ago, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and no one watches every day, right, so they just know it's there, and they could just even just listen to it, pop it in, and they're, they're like five minutes, three minutes long, mm. anyways, lots of ideas, and lots of good stuff, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm focused pretty much right now on mostly just recovery stuff. I, I'm, I, I still think I need a bit more time to focus on that. I'm not sure when, but I'll, I'll definitely be venturing out there with something. Mm -hmm. I, I'm really feeling a draw though to, uh, to the recovery side of things. I don't know what it is. I, and I'm, I'm open. I'm not, I'm not searching. I'm not desperate, but I'm open. I, I, the right thing will come at the right time. But then just yesterday we went, uh, we were in Calgary and there was, we stopped to go to breakfast this place, and and uh, there was a, a van out front that had dope on the side, D O A P, and I was like, "What the hell?" Downtown Outreach Addiction Program, right? And I was like, "Oh," and then there was these guys on the curb, and they were there, obviously giving them a ride, and and I was just, you know, I, I don't know why I, I want, I, I just I just wanted to chat with the guys and see where they're at and how's it going, and you know, just say, "Hey, man, I." Could be me. Could have been me. It was close. Could have been. I wasn't far from from that stage, you know. And it, there's hope, you know. That message. Absolutely. Well, like I said, if we can use this platform that Tim and I are building, and you want to come on and join the ride, by all means, anytime. All right. Well, yeah, yeah I definitely consider it. I consider yeah, it. I, I, you know, I always do better. I always do better on a team. I, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm that's I'm better playing in the band and not not a solo act. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and our conversation with Dwayne Newstater. I want to thank Dwayne for coming on and sharing his story with us, and hopefully we can have him back again in the future. We'll look forward to seeing you the next time around. <laughs>